Yes, he is. And he expresses that love in so many ways, including giving of his son, an event that the world celebrates on December 25th and that we gladly celebrate with it. We hope that the world will be reminded of the incredible God that would give his own son and how he not just uh, demonstrates love, which he does, but that he also actually is love. God is love. These uh, sermons in December I've entitled with the theme, Going Places, three sermons. Today is the second one. First one last week was going from sin to salvation, taking that time when we were lost in our sins, experiencing the blood of Christ uh, by giving ourselves to the response of faith, uh, believing in Jesus, turning away from our life of sin, repenting, confessing that that's our desire, that that's our faith, and being baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, being raised to live a new life from sin to salvation. Uh, Next week, we'll look at from heaven to earth. And that's not a trip that we take. That's a trip that the Son of God took. And we celebrate that around the world this coming Sunday. And we'll be celebrating that here as well, singing those wonderful traditional songs that remind us of the great joy and peace that comes through the birth of Christ and through His life, His death, and His resurrection. I'm so looking forward to next Sunday. And I hope that you will be inviting some of your friends and family members to be a part of that wonderful and encouraging service next week. Today we speak of going from sorrow to joy. Going from sorrow to joy. We go from sin to salvation. Jesus went from heaven to earth so that we could do the opposite, go from earth to heaven. But what about in between? In between is going from sorrow to joy. Last week's message included this statement, the promise of heaven should impact how we live our lives today. The promise of heaven should impact how we live our lives today. Does it matter that Jesus came and was born in that stable that day? Does it matter that he was raised from the dead and that he has given us the opportunity to go from sin to salvation? Does it matter that our hope and our eternal home is in heaven? Does that have any impact on us today? It should. It certainly should. This quote from the book, Stand Up, Stand Strong, a call to bold faith in a confused culture. Too often Christians embrace a watered-down message. We're content to believe Christ's death means we can have eternal life. But it doesn't cross our minds that it should affect how we live here and now. We're thrilled Jesus loves us enough to save us. But the thought of him also wanting to change us is uncomfortable. Yet we can't have it both ways. And this line, the truth of the gospel means that Christ's words do have authority to tell us how to live. That authority changes everything. Believing the full, undiluted message of the gospel is the first step to living counterculturally. Going from sin to salvation should affect our actions every single day. It should affect everything. It should change everything. 
The promise of heaven should impact how we live our lives today. The question is, does it? And if so, how is that impact seen? How is your life different? Because your hope is in heaven. How is your life different? Because you have gone from sin to salvation. And would your life be any different if God did not exist? If Jesus had not died for your sins. Our shepherd David Wicks during his prayer acknowledged that this is a challenging world we live in. We live in a challenging society that so much of the time is antagonistic toward us and towards our biblical Christian values. And perhaps we see that more and more. That seems to have kind of ebbed and flowed throughout our nation's history and we certainly seem to be in one of those down times. Beginning January 8th, We'll use this book that I quoted from just a few moments ago. We'll use it as a resource in calling each other to stand up and stand strong in our culture today that is becoming more and more uh, antagonistic to the teachings and values of the one who made us. In the sermons and in some of the Bible classes uh, in January, February, and March, we'll consider topics such as sexual purity, gender confusion, holding life sacred, overcoming addiction, and more. You'll see a little blurb about that in the bulletin and also on our website. Plan on being a part of this important series starting January the 8th. Plan on inviting some people to come with you because this will be an opportunity to generate discussion about things that we face every single day. I'm really looking forward to that series and the discussions that will follow. But before we get to some of the issues that are specific with our own culture and our own place and time, how does the promise of heaven and the message of the gospel impact our day-to-day lives in a broader sense? As Eric shared a couple of weeks ago, what does it look like for us to remain focused in the fray? Last week's message talked about going from sin to salvation. Next week's message will focus on the trip that Jesus took going from heaven to earth. Today talks about the fray. We've seen some examples of that today. We see it in our bulletin. There's pictures in the bulletin. We saw it in the wonderful ministry highlight that Eric Mosley put together for us. And Eric led us through highlighting various ministry activities throughout the year. And as Eric shared, we have a whole lot more that could have had pictures as well. So what does it look like to live today a life impacted by the promise of heaven? I want to briefly share four things as a summation of that. Number one is obeying God's word. If you ask yourself, what does it look like to live in that stage where we have been saved and our hope is in heaven. Well, at first is obeying God's word. Jesus himself said, you've got to hold to my teaching if you want to really be my disciple. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said, it's not everyone who just announces my name. (laughs) That is my disciple, but the one who does the will of of my Father in heaven. In fact, Jesus went so far as to say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So read the Bible, study it, which means think on it. <laughs> think about it. I tell people, I tell our kids, 
You don't, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you check your brain at the door. Engage your brain. Engage the scriptures. They will stand up to your questions and your studies and the questions of others. Apply it. Be sure and apply it to your life. Live it, in other words. And of course, share God's word with others. Obeying God's word is the first of these. Secondly, is doing good for others. Doing good for others. David mentioned in his prayer that we are the salt of the earth. Jesus called himself the light of the world, but he also called us the light of the world. And so we are to be doing good for others. And you saw pictures of that exact thing up there. Doing good for others, bringing encouragement, bringing the message of God, and so many other examples could be given for that. Don't give up doing good, Scripture says, because it's worth it. It's worth it. Don't say no to the Spirit's urging. When you feel that desire, you hear an announcement made or you read about something that someone, that's happened to someone in our bulletin or in one of our emails, or the thought just crosses your mind about someone that's going through something and you're thinking, maybe I should give them a call. Do it. Maybe I should text them. Do that. <clears throat> maybe I should send them a card. Write it out right then. Don't say no to the Spirit's urging urging you to do good for others. Number three is loving and uniting with one another. Think for just a moment about those times when Jesus said, this is how everyone's going to know that you're my disciple. I can think of especially two specific scriptures, both in the Gospel of John, where Jesus made that exact statement. He said, everyone's going to know that you're my disciple if you do this. The first one was loving each other. If you love each other the way I have loved you, everyone's going to know that you're my disciple. And the second one was being united. Being one with each other. If these disciples, as Jesus prayed in John 17, if they love me the way I love you, if they are one with us together, Father, then the world will know that you have sent me. Loving and uniting with one another. We just sang that wonderful song, The Greatest Commands, that takes many of these scriptures and puts them to music in such a beautiful, wonderful way. Find ways to agree rather than focusing on the areas of disagreement. I don't know why it is, but somehow or another, we have decided in our society that the way you distinguish one group for another is by their disagreement. Perhaps we need to start focusing on those areas where we have agreement, the things we have in common. And I can tell you what we will find is that there is much more that we have in common than those areas where we disagree. Be someone who encourages and builds up. Be someone that is known as a person who is loving, as a person who unites rather than divides. Jesus calls us today to be loving and uniting with one another. The song will close today's service with a common love. Is it more than just a song? And then number four is living with hope. Living with hope. If we're living with hope in this culture today, which is so negative, so so hopeless, so cynical, 
And yet here we are living lives of hope, living lives of joy, not denying the reality of the difficulties. We acknowledge that and face it head on. But what we don't do is we don't let those things take away our hope. We don't let them rob us of our joy. We don't let them define who we are because Jesus has done that. And so we are living our lives obeying God's word, doing good for others, loving and uniting with one another, and living with hope. And what Peter says is when you live that way in the midst of your world, people are going to wonder about you. (laughs) And that's certainly true. And some of them may even be brave enough to come and ask you, how can you have hope today? Because I don't have any. And that's when we tell them about Jesus. We tell them about this one that the world will celebrate one week from today. There's a very well-known poem that expresses this well, this call to go from sorrow to joy in living your life here in this world. You've likely heard it before. It's written by Linda Ellis, and it's simply called The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? When people speak of you and how you spent your dash, will they describe you as someone who lived their life obeying God's word? Loving and uniting with one another. Doing good for others and living a life of hope. Because when we commit to living our dash in that way, we can see the sorrow around us turn to joy because we see the sorrow within us turn to joy. And what makes that all possible is the coming of Jesus. The coming of that baby in the humblest of ways Broken, as Eric shared, taking in the world's brokenness rather than running away from it, rather than denying it, but becoming a part of it 
and living a life of humility and service and love. Instead of simply condemning us to death, which is what we deserved, God gave His one and only Son, sending Him to join us in our journey by living in this world every day Himself. We can look at how our Savior spent His dash and know how we should spend ours. Because Jesus made the trip from heaven to earth, because Jesus is our wonderful, merciful Savior, we can make the trip from sorrow to joy. If we can help you make that trip today, come as we stand and sing this wonderful song together.